What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night. How the hell is it only the middle of this week edition of the Chase Thomas podcast? It is. Wednesday, still can't get over that. This has been the longest week ever. Gina Thomas, uh, who shares the last name with me, but we are not related, um, <laughs> has had just as long of a week. We uh, we suffered through Atlanta together, Atlanta traffic, Atlanta media day stuff. Um, she was in the minutia of all that today. I was not. How was it? Uh, it was great. It's just such a circus. Uh, if you haven't covered a Super Bowl before, it's really overwhelming at first. Today, I'd say it was the first day that it felt like kind of a normal routine. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a whole experience. It's been very interesting. What was the coolest thing you got to see today? I would say the coolest thing today or my favorite thing about today, um, I'm covering the Rams this week. So I was at their media availability today and I'm working on a piece about Wade Phillips. And so I was talking to some defensive players about him, but also some offensive players just to get a different perspective. I mean, they go up against his defense every day in practice. I think they have a really good grasp on who he is as a coach. But I went to Marcus Peters and he said, I think my favorite thing was he said, you know, Wade's a good dude, man. That's the first thing that he said. And um, mm -hmm. it was really interesting to see each player's immediate reaction to a question about Wade Phillips. And it was all something along those lines. Like, he's a smart guy or, you know, wow, he's just so he's got so much experience. And they all talked about his love for the game. And it was just really it was it was just really interesting. Um, I typically cover the Falcons and I'm accustomed to that and so it's it's interesting to go in and talk to other players and get totally new perspectives on coaches that i thought i knew a lot about but this is just a very different angle on that and the other big difference is um you got to talk to a defensive-minded coach who's actually good at putting together good defenses when he's empowered yeah. to do that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and they certainly have in la yeah. they're an impressive bunch they have, I think they're 12th in defensive DVOA and uh, their corners cannot cover. So maybe that's part of the reason that Marcus Peters is so uh, kind when talking about Wade Phillips. He's like, this guy <laughs> keeps playing me. I don't know what else I have to do for me not to be on the field anymore. Um, do I need to get torched by Adam Thielen 16 times a year? Like, what else do I need to do to get off this football field? And Wade Phillips is like, no, Marcus, I believe in you. Um, we well, believe in you. 
<laughs> so maybe maybe he really is a good dude doing it out of the kindness of his heart. He has to watch the tape. And does Wade Phillips just like not talk about it? Maybe that's the nice guy thing where he's like, he just fast forwards that little blip of like Marcus, <laughs> Peters, get, Marcus Peters getting burned again of just like, nope, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's the this is fine dog um, with the fire going around him every day in training in training rooms and stuff like that. That's that's my best guess there. And that makes sense. Yeah. Um, did you talk to Jared Goff at all? Uh, Jared was at the podium and I was way in the back. So I did not personally speak to him, but he did address the group. Interesting. Because I feel like he's the most, he's someone like if I had to put down a list of like NFL quarterbacks I'd like to speak to, he's at the bottom. I, I Yeah. No shot at him, but like everything. I remember this New York Times piece that uh, um, someone wrote in the sp- sports section. It was a couple years ago. He was, still, he was still at Cal at that point. I think he was a senior. And it was all about his econ course and like him majoring in economics at Berkeley <laughs> and his quotes in there. I remember this. I was yeah. like, oh, God, I have no interest in this person at all. His quote, he's just a very, I mean, it's probably what you want in a quarterback. I mean, we it's both exactly... are in the city with Matt Ryan, who I don't yeah. think has ever said an interesting thing in his yeah. 10 years here. So, Well, not not at the podium. Right. Not at the podium and not to the press. I've heard some things here and there in the locker room that are much more interesting and people would think are not characteristic of Matt but um like for one thing people are like Matt doesn't really cuss does he and I'm like oh yeah he cusses we have the video wasn't he at practice what was that where he well it was hard knocks right said that it seemed forced and I was like it's not forced that's actually how he talks (laughs) so but yeah I mean he is the most milquetoast guy at the podium I remember one time I asked him I think this was his most controversial answer either it was right before Thanksgiving a few years back somebody asked him what his favorite thanksgiving dishes were and he rattled them off and it was like the most boring stuff it was like turkey and rolls because he doesn't usually eat those things on a regular basis Mm. and then he couldn't come up with a third i was like first of all dude mashed potatoes exist like this is an easy answer no he said my wife's aunt makes a squash casserole that's pretty good that's pretty good. Mm. That and, and so I tweeted it at his wife, and I think he kind of got in trouble. <laughs> oh, God. You're getting Matt Ryan in trouble for Thanksgiving yeah. takes? But also, Apparently, here's the right Thanksgiving take. They're take. all trash. Thanksgiving is a trash meal day. Oh, my gosh. I'm very offended. Why? This is, Nothing's it, it's good. Like you just said that a hot dog is a sandwich. This is objectively false. Hot dogs are I, sandwiches. Nessie, Oh my gosh. Oh dear. We have a real conflict of interest. Would you like here. to hear what I would like <laughs> to change uh Christmas dinner for? Like Yes. Love my grandmother to death. Um I'm out on ham. We never need to do ham ever again. I hate ham. Ham is awful. It's slimy. It's gross. It's the Finally worst meat. Finally, some common ground. Yeah. Common so ground. I I agree. She does lasagna for Christmas Eve. Why not just double up on that or just do it for Christmas Day? Lasagna, like really good lasagna for Christmas Day is 10 times better than whatever we're doing on Christmas Day. I could work with that. I could work with lasagna. Or just burritos. Let's just order in Chipotle. Let's do something we all like. Let's just. There you go. Let's do that. Um, that seems like a win-win. God, I'd be the worst host for any kind of like party or anything else. I'd just like, like, did you just call in a, an order, a catering order of Chipotle and just throw it on the table with some bags? And it's like, yeah. It's what we all like, you're, right? You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, how about a you're welcome? Be grateful. Um, just like Dirk Cutter expected when uh, he came back to Atlanta. You're welcome, Falcons fans. I'm back <laughs> to save the city. As we all know, he will. Coordinator oh, yes. number three, right? In the in the Dan Quinn era? Is this number three or number four? I mean, he would be... Well, he would be number 
five, except for he was number two. So I right, guess that makes okay, him so number four. four. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So Mike Malarkey did, was still there. Malarkey was there first. Okay. And then Cutter, Cutter took over. And then we went to Shanahan the and then Sark and then Cutter again. Mm. Cutter, the sequel. Did you know um, our quarterbacks coach from a couple of years ago, Matt LaFleur, now the coach mm-hmm. of the Green Bay Packers, who they did not keep on and promote to offensive coordinator when uh, Kyle well, Shanahan left? You know, to be fair, he is young and he has had conversations with Sean McVay at different points in his mm-hmm. life. And that seems to be all the qualification that you need to be a head coach now. Actually, I am reasonably young and I also have had a conversation with Sean McVay now. So I expect to be a hot commodity on the coaching carousel. Have you next added year. it to your Twitter profile though? Actually, I should. You really should. Actually, I really Spoke should. Spoke to Sean McVay. And I'm just... gonna I'm gonna update LinkedIn too, just oh. in case. I mean, you'll be at the ringer tomorrow. I mean, you'll... <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, just I, I miss Shanahan and the floor stuff that always bothered me. Matt Chambers, friend of the pod, um, who writes yes. with you at the Falcoholic. Um, yes, and and gets into shenanigans with me on the internet. Yes, he gets in shenanigans with everybody. By the way, though, so I think he is a shenanigan kind of guy, right? Yeah. But if you talk to him off air and everything, it's the exact opposite of his Twitter presence. Very different person. Oh, now see, he must have been professional with you. Matt and I have been friends for years. We're friends in real life. And, you know, we like we used to own a business together. We were really good friends. And Oh, I didn't know uh, this. Okay. Yeah. With, with his friends, he is actually much more like he is on the Internet. Interesting. <laughs> but he, I mean, he is an attorney and he is a an allegedly mature and responsible adult just like the rest of us at alcoholic and so he does put on a put on a good front i i respect it i respect that he admitted that i was right about kyle shanahan he didn't have to do that um because that year one it was a little bumpy of like oh this isn't the right scheme they're trying to put matt ryan in a situation that's not going to work and i don't mm-hmm. know if this is going to pay off i'm like nope i believe in kyle i my uh, and my one true yeah. father kyle shanahan um, 2016 certainly did prove you right. And boy, I'm glad that yeah. you were right. He was fantastic that year. He was uh, he was good. But you know what? I don't like the slander for the Super Bowl appearance. I, I don't. I understand 28 to 3 hurts. I understand it will always hurt. Kyle Shanahan is not the reason the Falcons lost that Super Bowl. And I never got behind the idea that a coordinator who has always called a game a certain way. Mm-hmm. being asked to change it like if they had won 40 because the way that game was going not to just go all the way back here but that was my big gripe was like he was trying to step on their throat like that's all he was trying to do he was trying to score enough where they could not come back it was too much of a big kind of deal and i understand like running the football and all that but i i just think none of us would be talking about it if they had succeeded and had they blown them out like kyle shanahan was going oh. for he was trying to score 45 points he wasn't trying to if- just go conservative yeah, if they had done that, I mean, he would be lauded as a hero. He's a legend. You know? But the thing is, the way that it did go down, Atlanta needed a scapegoat and Kyle was the easy one. And so, you know, that if you think back about that whole situation when, you know, they were down by eight and were in field goal range, et cetera, et cetera, we don't need to belabor it. But think about that. That was that year's blown P.I. call against um nickel roby coleman Mm -hmm. you know that was now the thing that everybody is obsessed with is that call and two years ago everybody is obsessed with that and i bet in two years people will still make reference to that play and the saints and all that kind of stuff you know it's just kind of what that's one of those moments that 
everybody was watching. And so it's just kind of etched into everybody's memory. You know and where that's you were. why I know exactly where I was when that play happened. Like, I just remember yeah, I was... like looking around the bar of like, I, th- there's just no flag coming. Like, I just thought it was, that's how, you know, a call is just insane. It's a Michael Lombardi thing, but I agree with him where it's like, if everybody's looking around of just like dumb silence where you, you were half looking at the TV at the moment and you still caught it like that is mm-hmm. um, so they I mean they did not handle it well but then again <clears throat> Sean Payton wearing a clown Roger Goodell t-shirt today maybe possibly who knows um you know that's cool like I think he's my guy I'll ride for him I can understand why he's miss he's mad he probably just missed the best opportunity for him to get another ring in his career with the same yeah and and probably the last one if you look yeah. at the steady decline in Bree's play I, he's still playing well enough. I wouldn't say Cedric Klein. He was difference. like the highest graded PFF quarterback this season. Yeah, but you have to kind of take that in context of um, you have to look at the he's doing all these short to intermediate throws. He's not playing the game that he's played all of his career. Yeah. You know, he's had to adapt because of age. And once age starts catching up with you, it is a steady decline. And I say that as somebody who is 42 years old. (laughs) So I have some experience with this. Uh huh. You know what really helps is having Michael Thomas on your team and an offensive mind that knows, hey, what if we threw the ball 17 times to him a game? What might happen then? Not like Julio's situations where it's like maybe we throw up to him nine times and we give uh, Austin Hooper 13 first half targets in the Steelers (laughs) game. Maybe we don't do that. Maybe you know, we don't do they, two-yard halfback dies with Tevin Coleman up the middle at four or five times a game. Let's not do that anymore. That would be great and something that I would definitely endorse. God, that the Tevin Coleman halfback dive at the middle. I will not miss Sark at all. His Calvin Ridley end arounds, everything. Just there were so many. Do- Never mind. I, I don't even want to talk about Sark. He's gone. Steve Sarkeesian yes. is gone. And uh, we get to go back to Dirk Cutter, Mike Malarkey, the gang's all back together. What could go wrong? Um, how would you... <laughs> sum up the 2018 Falcons because I have thoughts but you monitor them even closer than I did I I feel like injuries is the first thing that comes to mind but I think it's deeper because what did we hear all offseason prior to the start of last year this was the deepest roster in football that was a article everywhere that this was a team that had so much talent everywhere Um, injuries are part of the game this is a team that can withstand stuff like that and obviously they were still dealing with a lot but how would you define the 2018 Atlanta Falcons season disappointing i mean just across the board it was disappointing to see so much talent go down to injuries it was disappointing to see the defense not adjust to do things like um leave jordan richards in there endlessly when he doesn't even look like he knows how to play football (laughs) at Mm -hmm. all like you might as well throw me out there i you're probably going to have the same results except for you know i'm better I am I am probably Jordan Richards slower, was one of the I worst football probably... players I saw last season. Like, it was unbelievable. I think I'm 99% certain he got signed because Scott Pioli um, was like, hey, he's in the Pats. We could take him. It's like one of those yeah. things where he's a Pat. He could do it. Yeah. And so, you know, things like that. I mean, they just didn't adjust. I, I was obviously both guards went down, but line play was disappointing. You know, if I had to apply one adjective to the whole season, I think that you can apply it a whole lot of different ways. Disappointing is the one that I would choose. The good thing is uh, the guards that went down are, are locked up for the Falcons long term. Oh, no, they are both free agents this offseason. So yeah. uh, not great on that front. Yeah. Um, Jake Matthews is great. I'm kind of concerned what happens with Alex Mack here um, because he was brought in for Kyle Shanahan's scheme and Sark kept a lot of those elements. And now it's like Dirk Cutter is Mr. Four Verticals from the Madden video games from years ago. So I don't yeah. know how that works. Um, the thing is, though, Alex Mack is such a special talent. I think it just doesn't that matter. he will be. 
fine. Yeah, I really do. Okay. So Mac, Mac, I'm not worried about in either scheme. I think that he he's he's got very high football intelligence. I don't. He's such an athlete. He won't have any trouble adapting. I think that he'll be fine. I would agree. Um, it was interesting that Thomas Dimitrov, when asked about like what their priorities were for this season, it's uh, off season rather. Um, it's protecting Matt Ryan, and that's why I mentioned the guard stuff because they they're going to have to draft probably an offensive lineman in the first round, um, mm-hmm. whether it's right tackle, guard, whatever. I may not. My pick would still probably be a corner because this is another maybe controversial Falcons take. I would have taken Josh Jackson and not Calvin Ridley in the first round this mm-hmm. past year. I think we're getting to the point in this league where just elite cornerback play is so critical, even more than just like the Falcons should not be. This administration should not be allowed to draft any more pass rushers. That's gone. Like you, you lose the right to draft yeah, anymore I, for a while. <laughs> absolutely. I'm fully on board with this. Just draft more corners. I don't think you can have enough in today's NFL. I really don't. And I just think Isaiah Oliver can still be good. He showed flashes. Like he was matching up with Antonio Brown pretty well um, mm-hmm. this season. And uh, he had moments. So I'm not really worried about him. But at the same time, like this offense was still eighth in offensive DVO this past year. And Calvin Ridley was fun. I just don't think he moves the needle. I think, like, when you already have Julio Jones, I don't want to invest even more. Like, the the Saints literally have basically nothing. They have Ted Ginn and Josh Hill and just nonsense around Michael Thomas. It doesn't matter. When you have a superstar wide receiver, I just don't want to invest anymore. But that said, I do love Mohamed Sanu with the passion. I, I love his. I, I love I Mr. Love Yak. Mo too. And I actually, I love Ridley and I was very impressed with his rookie season, but I, that was your reaction was my initial reaction. The pick has grown on me because of his performance, mm-hmm. but that is not the direction that I would have gone in any way, shape or form. But now it's going to be fun. Cause like this next year, I don't know how it's going to go with the Falcons. I just trying to forecast how it's going to look is kind of silly at this point. Cause they still have to reconstruct this offensive line. We're going to see what happens with Devontae Freeman. Uh, one thing I do know for certain, uh, the Falcons, who I think they were 23rd in, off, in running back uh, DVOA this past year, but it was not good. Uh, Tampa Bay with <laughs> Dirk Cutter, always worse. <laughs> They're not going to run the football mm-hmm. well. Just go ahead and punt on that. They're not going to pay Tevin Coleman. I would just make Ido Smith the feature back where he just play. He gets like 13 carries a game for 45 yards and maybe a touchdown. Like I am throwing to Julio 17 times. I am throwing to Austin Hooper eight times. I am throwing to Muhammad Sanu five times and Ridley on a couple downfield. Like I am not running the football at all. Like I am just force feeding Julio Jones. And if Matt Ryan dies, taking five step drops, he dies. Um, that's fine. <laughs> I, I just, the running the football stuff has got to get it. Like it's gone. Like let's move on. Dirt cutter is not going to do that. So don't invest in any way. But they're kind of trapped with Devontae Freeman. Like, that's that's one of the worst contracts in football, I think. Mm, yeah, it's not my favorite, uh, especially with the injury, injury history and his size. Devontae has preternatural vision. I've really never seen anything like it. It was evident from the first time he stepped on the practice field as a rookie. He's, you know, that's something that you cannot teach. It's something that Tevin definitely doesn't have. And so I think that, you know, he certainly has a place, but I don't, think that he is a feature back to the point that you give him that kind of money how much do you think he gives back to kyle shanahan every off season do you think they have an agreement <laughs> in place i doubt it because i think that kyle makes plenty of money on his own these days but but he's made alex mack money he's made uh Devontae freeman money he's made a lot of guys mm-hmm. money matt breda averaged five yards to carry he almost ran for a thousand yards in san francisco this past year 
Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Alfred uh, Morris is... ran for over 100 yards in like week 17 against the Rams. <laughs> yeah. Kyle yeah, Shanahan, Kyle, we don't, we're not Kyle's worthy. special talents. Yeah. yeah. No. You know what should have happened after the Super Bowl? Would you like my biggest hot take? Matt and I argued about this. That he said that you just can't do this. If you knew that Kyle Shanahan was going to leave, <laughs> you fire Dan Quinn on the spot. Like, what are you oh bringing to the God. table? And you promote Kyle Shanahan to head coach. Ten-year contract, well, whatever you want. He was the glue. The thing is, the thing is this. Kyle didn't want to be the Falcons head coach. He wanted to be the 49ers head coach. Because he grew up being a ball boy for them. Like, there was no way he was taking that deal, even if they would offer it. And they wouldn't. Matt LaFleur, <laughs> I know you're like 30. Step right up. That's what, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> He's not saying no to that at that age. I mean, Zach Taylor's oh, no. 35. Um, he's he wouldn't say no, but I yeah. have I have no level of con- confidence that he'll be a good head coach for the Packers. So I definitely would not have wanted him in that role here. <laughs> I just I just look at Dan Quinn, like at that office space scene where it's like, what is it exactly that you do here? I, I just um, I, I don't get it. Quinn is a great coach. He is genuinely like this is genuinely surprising to me. He's a really good coach. Meaning what? Like, as a good head coach, he's like a Herm Edwards type, where he's like a CEO. He's Tom Coughlin, kind of, where it's like, I I don't know. How many coordinators well, yeah, does he I, get? I think that that's probably not an unfair um, assessment. But if you think about the changes the team is making this year, you know, bringing in somebody to help Quinn with game management decisions, which I think is a great need, and letting Quinn focus on calling the defensive plays, which I think is his greatest strength. Mm -hmm. I think that it's okay if he's a CEO type, if he's willing to address his own weaknesses and take steps to, you know, complement his strengths so that the whole team functions well. I don't think that he's him being a CEO type is a problem. You know, Tom Coughlin was that way and he beat the Patriots twice in Super Mm -hmm. Bowls. So I think that there's value in that as long as the head coach is willing to acknowledge his own weaknesses and take steps to address those. And I think that that's what we're going to see this season with Quinn stepping into an amplified role on the defense and then having some help with the game management stuff. Do you think if they miss the playoffs again, he's gone? Yes, I do. So that's this is basically playoffs are best for him this year for sure. I think so. Yeah, after this season, yes. Interesting. Yeah, after you fire your coordinators, your defensive coordinator, your defensive minded guy, and you're just like, I'm doing this myself, and you still don't make the playoffs. That that just seems like a bet on yourself kind of last ditch effort. Like Gus Malzahn at Auburn, where he's just gonna yes. call his own plays, and he's like, You want to fire me? I'm going down with the ship, and I'm calling my own plays. Um, yeah, and then Quinn knows that if he gets fired, he did everything they could to prevent it. And then, he you know, his, his job Chargers security is not in anybody else's hands. Yeah, sure. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, um, what my whole thing is like, I want to coach. I will always prefer like the Sean McVay types where I, I know that's a buzzword now, but I mean, in the way that like Shanahan and guys like that, you're like, I know that you're all like what I can count on you for. Like if we give mm-hmm. you the right defensive mind next to you, like Wade Phillips and Robert Saleh and everything else, uh, we give you talent around you. We know that you're going to do your job exceptionally well. We know that they're going to have a top five offense every single year. He's the head coach in San Francisco and McVay's the head coach in Los Angeles. We don't get even a top 20 defense with Dan Quinn in Atlanta every year. Like that's just, if you're not giving a top 10 defense every year and the reason the Falcons have been good the last couple of years is strictly an offensive thing and the coordinators that you bring in, I just, I'm always like, what is the point? Just hire Zach Taylor and let him find like, 
um i don't know like just whoever just steve wilkes can be dc why are like what is the point of having a defensive-minded coach when your defense sucks year in year out and you can't develop pass rushers and the secondary took a huge step back last year and yes injuries were part of it Devontae casey i love he's great um deon jones going down is a killer just because of how good he is in coverage i get all that but at the same time, every team deals with injuries. Like the Saints had like the 11th best defense in football this year with Dennis Allen. Like, have you looked at their back nine? It's awful. Like they, they mm-hmm. had no business doing that. A lot of it was because they were good run defense. But I, I don't know. I just, I don't like coaches like that. Like it makes me nervous. It's like, what is the point? Because if you lose that elite coordinator on offense that balances everything out and keeps the pressure off you, what are you left with? Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's a fair question. And that's why I think that this year is a make or break year for Dan Quinn. I think that it's reasonable to say, you know, this is a team that's shown that they can't finish games. Uh, We saw it in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, we saw it in the divisional round last year against the Eagles. We saw it repeatedly this year when even though they had all these injuries, you know, they were within one score of winning a lot of those games that they lost. And they just couldn't close them out. And so, yeah, the injuries were a factor, but coaching was definitely a factor. They did not put the the guys that they had in a position to succeed. What would you say that they're like top five offseason priorities or like they're not going to get the Antonio Brown stuff or anything like that. But like, what would you guess they do this offseason? Like big moves they might make draft <laughs> strategy. Is there anything specific that stands out to you? They're like, this is something I would watch. Well, yeah, I think that they have to draft a guard in the first round. And so I think that has to be the top priority. You know, the bread and butter of this team has been the offense and it's going to continue to be with the talent that they have. So they've got to keep Matt Ryan upright so that he can make plays, especially in cutter scheme. Um, So that's got to be a top priority. Obviously, I would like to eventually see this team be able to rush a passer occasionally. So I hope that they go (laughs) free agency for that. Um, But yeah, they've got to do something about the pass rush because it's just terrible. Like, it's like you've got all these pros out there and then you've got like JV guys rushing the passer. It's ridiculous. And then um, I guess number three would probably be, you know, the secondary is a concern. I, Alfred was not good this year. Trufant bad. actually wasn't even that good this year. And so I, they've got to make some decisions. To, um, it's been such a long day. Decisions there. And then um, I think you just, you know, I don't know, Ray Wilson to a top three corner. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would say that, you know, that game management coach, that's something that Mm -hmm. Quinn really needs. So it's not a not a player situation, but it is, I think, fundamental to the success of the team next year. And beyond that, I'd say making a priority to resign Grady Jarrett, no matter what it takes. It's going to get ugly. I can already see, like, he made 600000 I think, this year. And yeah. it's hard to figure out. Like, you look at what the Giants just did. They traded um, Harrison, like, the best run defender in the NFL last year. Midseason, mm-hmm. they were just like, we just don't, we're not paying this guy. And they sent him to Detroit, and it didn't matter. Like, I don't know how much those guys actually moved the needle. Um, so I understand why they're probably going to play hardball with him, but he's just so good at everything. He's so quick and it doesn't make any sense. He's undersized and all that. And like, you need him, especially with, mm-hmm. um, McLean being gone. He's a free agent. What's going to happen? Cra- Crawford, like Sinat look good in flashes, but I don't know if you're ready to hand over the starting defensive tackle keys to him yet. Um, you just kind of need him, especially with just so much uncertainty on that defensive line anyway. And like the tax. Cap, Absolutely. Like I, Vic's gone for sure. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't really know what it's going to look like. The defensive line is going to be 
interesting. I think the linebacking core is going to look basically the same. And then yeah. the back four, pretty much the same. I, I don't think Alfred's back or he doesn't have a prominent role, but that's why I think you dropped yeah. another corner. Like, would you be upset if they took a cornerback in the first round? I mean, in the first round, I yeah. would not be delighted. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I would not be. I just feel like, you know, if you can never rush the passer and you can't keep your quarterback upright, what is even the point? Well, I think that's what you, so, like you doubled down on the on the back seven. I, I just think that's mm-hmm. what you do. I think you give up on pass rush. I think that's kind of that's that's what I thought they were going to do this past offseason anyway when they promoted Marco Manuel to DC was mm-hmm. they were going to be like, all right, our identity is just going to be we know we're not going to get pass rush. We know that these quarterbacks don't have time, but we're going to have just elite corner and safety play. And they might have if Ricardo Allen didn't get hurt and Kazee was able to just be a floater guy and they were able to have different guys be back there and be healthy, like um, Keanu Neal as well. Like, if yeah. they were all healthy, I wonder what that evolved. Would it have been as bad just not having no, a pass rush? No, it would not have been as bad. There's right. no question. So I just wonder if that's just something, it's a big what if, of if mm-hmm. that group was able to stay healthy, if they were would have been able to survive and make the playoffs um with that group um it's a, it's an interesting interesting what if um mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's not great but yeah it, they can't be worse than 29th which was their past defense uh rating this past off season or this past season. it's not great um no one thing though on the nfc south if you had to rank mm-hmm. the four head coaches right now um how would you do it because I feel like this is going to make Falcons fans even more. I'm not trying to be so anti. Like, it's just, I, I'm not a Dan Quinn guy. No secret to that. But anyway, how would you rate those four? Well, I very much am a Dan Quinn guy. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, at this point in time, as things stand today, and, okay, it, I'm going to rank them first based on how much I like them. Okay. Um, personally or just got, as head coaches? Uh, personally and okay. as head coaches. Uh, both those go hand in hand for these rankings so for this i'm gonna go dan quinn bruce arians ron rivera sean payton who is by far the least likable and then so bear that in mind okay when i now tell you that my rankings are probably sean payton and then dan quinn and bruce arians are like 2a and 2b and then ron rivera is last Interesting. Yeah. I think it's down. The bottom is like a tie between Rivera and Quinn. Like, I'm not sure which I, I think I'd still go Rivera being better just because his defenses are still good year in, year out. Like, I think he's still a good defensive mind and I think mm-hmm. he'd be good as a DC elsewhere. I don't know if Dan Quinn would. Um, he was just really stubborn offensively with some of, like just keeping Shula running that offense with Cam Newton for as long as he did. Like, that kind of stuff is kind of eh. But yeah, I think clearly one, two for me is. Um, Peyton and Bruce Arians. That's why, like the Bruce Arians hire in Tampa, should like concern a lot of Falcons fans because that's that's not not good for them to get oh, a quality does. head coach. It it absolutely concerns a lot of Falcons fans. But then it's like, are we betting on the Glazers? Are we betting on Jason Light and this group getting it all together? Are we betting on Jameis Winston? Who wants to do that? <sighs> Gross. No. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, know. I think that that's, that's going to be Arian's biggest challenge is that he's still got a coach in Tampa Bay, which <laughs> that's that a offense whole was other good last year. They, I think they were, I, I want to say they were 12th. I think they were the lowest of any of the four in offensive DVOA, but all four NFC South teams were top 12 in, uh, offense. Yeah. But the problem is that the, 
Bucks had pretty consistent offensive production mm-hmm. and still couldn't win games. Well, their defense was league worst. Like it, it doesn't help yeah. when you uh, just are Brent Grimes getting a lot of starts last year. I feel like he was. And uh, Mike Smith being yeah. your DC and then just being like, this is so bad. I'm just leaving football forever. Um, yeah. Not great. But that's what you get for employing Mike Smith as your DC in uh, 2019. But that's also what I think would happen if Dan Quinn got another DC job after he got fired from Atlanta. Is I think he mm-hmm. would go somewhere else, and then I think it'd just be a, a disaster. And after two years, it's like, okay, this is not working. I'm going to go be an analyst at Tennessee. <laughs> Man, you really don't like Dan Quinn. <laughs> I don't understand the point. I don't like him. I don't. I don't get it. I think he's like someone I would like talking to. He seems like a really nice, genuine guy. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. yeah. As a head coach, absolutely not. Not at all. So. Like on Wednesdays when I go in to shoot my TV thing, um, I usually get there late because I have meetings. And so the, everybody else is already in the locker room. So I just go in the media room and sit down. And Dan Quinn's usually in there doing his conference call with the opposing team's media. And then he'll come back and like we'll have long conversations about my full-time job and what I do and like mentorship and how it factors into my job. And so it's, yeah, like he's a fascinating guy and he's genuinely nice and sincere and he'll ask me about like I'll tell him about projects I'm working on he'll be like hey how'd that go like he's a genuinely nice person he's a very nice guy yeah yeah I think it just you have to be able to separate the two like I think I would love to have him on the podcast and just talk about with him do I want him to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons absolutely not absolutely (laughs) not Oh, I hope we don't get you in trouble. Could have had Quinn. Rex Ryan, man. Could have had Rex Ryan. It just would have been magical. Obviously, would have been just tearing it up. You know what they could have had? <laughs> Matt Lafleur, coach of the Packers, right now. Uh, and when when Lafleur wins two games next year, two why games don't you with have Aaron Rodgers. Why don't you have me back on the? If oh. Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, why don't you have me back on the podcast so that I can? Can we make a bet right you now? about Matt Lafleur? Yes. We can. Okay. I'm not going to bet on two games. I'm not going to bet on not, two wins. No, not on that. I would. Yeah. Uh, let's wager. Hmm. I wish Matt was here so he could like be the deciding uh, gambling situation here. Um, I want to bet. I will bet you that Matt LaFleur wins at least four more games than the Atlanta Falcons this year. Okay. At I'll least take four. That bet. Okay. I'll Over take under that four. Bet. There you go. They win four more games than the Falcons. And if you lose, I get to haze you for it. And if I lose, you get to haze me for it. How about this? If I lose, you get to torment me on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll give you like three minutes to just okay. laugh in my like earbuds. And then okay. I get three minutes if I'm right to just um, sing the praises of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, which I could not speak any higher of. All right. This is a this is a good plan. Write it down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's uh, it's in the archives. Um, check the tapes. Last thing, and then we'll go. Dwayne Haskins. Is he the best quarterback in this draft? You're an Ohio State fan. I'm a Dwayne Haskins guy. Would you take him if you were like the Denver Broncos who are flirting with Drew Locke of the world? Um, it is so funny that you asked me this question in this way, because today on the media shuttle bus, I was sitting next to a radio host from Denver And he asked me the exact same question in the exact same way from the exact same perspective. (laughs) Do you think that he's a fit because they're looking at Locke? And Mm -hmm. I think that he is a good fit for the Broncos. But I have some concerns about them thrusting him in the starting role. I feel like Haskins is the best quarterback in this draft. Um, I just think he's very cerebral. He has such a good grasp on the game. I think that his performance this season isn't 
I, I like if you look at it as a whole, I think that it's not necessarily indicative of his talent or his his style of play. Um, if you look at the first three games when Urban Meyer was suspended, Ryan Day was using him in a very different way. He mm-hmm. was playing to his strengths. Haskins is a is a solid pocket passer. Um, he's not Tim Tebow, and I don't know why Urban Meyer insisted on trying to make every quarterback who played for him Tim Tebow, but that's what he did. And so he is a guy who is going to be able to come in and just he he's a great leader. He's a very smart guy. He's got great football IQ. I think that he is one of the few quarterbacks that I wouldn't hate to see starting right away because I think that he can handle it. Um, I think that he might be a better fit for like the Giants, but I like the idea of him being paired with Saquon Barkley. If you look back to Matt Ryan's early years of his career, you know, a lot of his success was because of the compliment that he had in Michael Turner and Everything was not on Matt's shoulders. They had such a strong run game. And so I think that for a rookie quarterback, especially coming in and having that learning curve, adjusting to the NFL, um, having somebody like Saquon Barkley would really increase um, Haskins' chances of success in year one. But uh, yeah, I think that he is very NFL ready. I'm really excited to see where he lands and what he does. And yes, I think that he would be a fine fit in Denver because, you know, they certainly had a decent running game this year. And I think that they've got enough talent around him there that he could um, do some damage. Yeah, I agree. I love Haskins. He made some crazy throws, um, especially in that Michigan game. Everything He's just really good. I'm just worried about the 12 starts for him. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like one of those guys where he like falls in the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George zone, where it's like if he gets stretched by the wrong team, his career is totally different and it doesn't work out. Yeah. They're yeah. Like superstars who just it doesn't matter where they go. Like Peyton Manning could have gone anywhere and he would have been awesome. I yeah. think Haskins is like if he gets drafted by who'd be the worst spot for him? Like Washington. Like if he got yeah. thrust into that situation, I don't think he has a good career. But if he gets yeah. thrust into I shouldn't say thrust. If he gets drafted to I'm trying to think of who the best fit. I think the Giants, you're right. I think the Giants are the best fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, then he has a good career. With, I bet on it. Yeah, with with Sterling Shepard, with Odell, you know, I, I just think that um what's their tight end's name? I've had such a long uh, day. Ingram? What's his name? Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. Evan Evan Ingram. Is it Evan Ingram? I think that's what it is. I think so. Oh my gosh. I'm going to need to go to bed pretty soon. <laughs> but yeah, um, he, I, they just have a lot of talent offensively in New York. And um, I do think that that would be the easiest uh, step up for Haskins into the league. Okay. All right. So give me your final prediction for wins for the Falcons next year, and then we'll get out of here. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead. It's early to go on record before I see the off season, but mm-hmm. a tentative guess. I'm going to say ten and six, and a wild card spot. Oh wow. Um, I'm going six and ten. Best case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm betting on like three and thirteen. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. Um, <laughs> Matt Ryan really gets hurt. Don't. They don't have a backup quarterback. Matt Schaub's an unrestricted free agent. You know what I'm doing? Well, first round. How about this? What if Kyle Allen's sitting there? I mean, Kyler Murray. Excuse me. Kyle Allen's on the brain because he had that great Carolina Panthers uh, show out in the last week of the season. Who could forget uh, Texas A&M legend Kyle Allen, who was the uh, running mate at uh, Texas A&M with um, Murray, and they both ended up bolting. But uh, would you take? Would you be upset at Kyler Murray late in the first round? Uh, probably because they have much bigger fish to fry. I don't know. What if they just did two quarterbacks? There we go. What, what could go wrong? I think Dirk Cutter could find a way 
to use uh, Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan at the same time. Who knows? Um, oh either goodness. way, six and ten, best case scenario. Um, you have ten and six. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Should have kept it. I don't want to sit through another terrible season. I don't think any. Of, I mean, it would be more interesting than this past season. This past season was just like boringly bad. Like this. Mm-hmm. Like that Steelers game, that Redskins game. Like you just go and you're like, what was the best moment? Was it just, I don't even, was it Julio's block? I don't really, or tackle. Like what, what is it? I don't even know. The best moment from last season was Matt Ryan having a receiving touchdown. Okay. I mean, that was as something that he hasn't done in his entire career. That was ridiculous. That's, that's the only thing that stands out to me. The second best moment, actually, this is probably the best moment, was the Saints losing the NFC Championship okay. game. So, you know what I think the best yeah. moment was? Uh, Julio Jones not getting a first-half target and Austin Hooper getting 11 against Pittsburgh. That was not the best moment. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real head-scratcher. <laughs> that happened, folks. Go back and check the target tape. It's uh, it's there. Um, That was the thing that happened. Um, Anyway, we could talk about the Falcons 2018 all season. You're tired. We both... Have dealt with enough Atlanta today. Get some rest. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Go check out thefalcoholic.com. Great website that I read every day. And check out your piece that's coming out on the Rams. When is that coming out? Um, I do not know, but it will be on um it'll be on SBNation.com sometime in the next couple of days. Okay. They're still sorting out the publishing schedule. We have a lot going on over there right now. It's kind of a madhouse. <laughs> Perfect. It's a good problem to have. So content is. is king. Give us all the hashtag content. Gianna, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we will talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. We're back on the Chase the Most podcast. And I am now joined by my Chili's connoisseur, friend of the podcast, Chris Brockman. He came all the way from LA to Atlanta to experience some authentic Atlanta cuisine Jimmy John's chilies. The man knows what he likes. Hey, look, that's my philosophy. If you have something you like, stick with it. For like four straight years, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and cheese its every single day. That was it? That's it. That's all I would have for lunch. Well, I, would, I would maybe have some cereal for breakfast, and then I would have, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, when I first moved to LA, that's all I could afford. Right. Okay, so no dinner. Was that were you doubling up for dinner? Uh, you know, I don't even really remember. I'm actually not a big dinner person anyway. Interesting. Been, I'm not a big breakfast been, person. I don't know how people. I've been eat, doing those. Uh, I've been doing those weird like uh, intermittent fasting diet things that everyone's been doing lately. Okay. So I really try not to eat after five five o'clock. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's, Does it's that make really, dating hard? It's really stupid. Oh, well, I've only been doing this for the last, like, six months. Oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting take. Just be like, I'm sorry, I can't eat after five, so you do what yeah, you got to do, but uh, it drives, I'm done it drives, for the day. My, it drives my girlfriend insane. I could imagine. That's what my first thought was. I'm like, what girlfriend's signing yeah. on for that? that that's going to yeah. drive her batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not a big fan. But every once in a while, no. I'll be like, all right, fine. We can, like, get some Chinese food. But it's like... You know, I'm trying to stick with it, man. Like being being fit and like eating well and like trying to do that whole mess, that's like a full time job in itself. Did you ever watch Louis on FX? I did. I did watch a couple of seasons of that. Okay. Do you remember 
um, this the episode where Louis and um, his comedian brother, um, I've read his name on the show in real life, um, the completely bald guy, the big guy, he's getting bigger and bigger now. I forgot, mm-hmm. not physically, but as a comedian. Um, what is his, I don't remember his name, but they did the bang bang. Do you remember that day where they like go into one place and they eat a bunch of food and then they go into another place right after it and eat another full course meal and they call it a bang bang and they have to explain oh. it to this waiter and it's um <laughs> it's one of my favorite five minute stretches of TV of them just going to town and then just being full and gross and getting up and going into the next restaurant this diner and just going through that and just it's great uh but that's oh charles oh. kelly i think that's his name um, Oh, okay yeah that sounds that sounds like idea awesome and terrible at the same time Mm-hmm. yes like you feel awful right after but like i'm sure during that like five minute stretch of you scarfing all of the different foods down you feel great um and you're like oh this is so cool um that's what I recommend for you before you leave Atlanta. I just have one request. I want you to do a bang bang. You can include Rich, and if you want to, I'm sure he's going to be down for this. I I imagine he is a frequent visitor with you um, to the local Chili's in Los Angeles. But I would <laughs> like for you to try and pull off Chili's and Waffle House in a back to back situation. Wow! Wow! That's it would what be I ideal. It would be great if they were next to each other. I know there's a there's a Waffle House like right next to Centennial Park, so I could probably mm-hmm. pull that off. And then maybe I could go down the street to Ted Turner, like the to the Turner Grill or something. That but, would work. Man, Just do a bang bang like that. Do you... all right, all right. I'll see what I can do. I got a couple days left, so I'll see what I can accomplish for you, Chase. Thank you so much. Bang, bang. That's what you call bang, it. Bang. Just show Rich bang, the bang. segment and just be like, this is a thing. It's good. I promise it won't kill you. You'll just feel <laughs> awful after, but it will taste so good for those first seven minutes. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of things that I do in life. It, in the long run, it's awful, <laughs> but it's really great for seven yeah. minutes. <sighs> I might go do this after we finish recording. Do you know how good a hash brown bowl along with some Cajun chicken pasta from Chili's would be back to back? That's what dreams are made of, sir. I mean, this sounds amazing. I mean, you're, you're slowly talking me into this. I, you can't go wrong. I, when have I ever steered you wrong in this podcast, Chris? That's a great point. That's a great point. I really should just listen to everything you say and do it from now on. Thank you. Um, so you've been in Atlanta a couple of days. What have you made of uh, Super Bowl week here? Fun? Well, it's, interesting. Well, it's, co- it's, it's cold. Uh, you know, I've picked up on that. It is cold. It's cold. Although not as cold as Minneapolis last year, you know, waking up every day and seeing negative numbers on the old weather app. Um, that was, that was not fun, but we knew what we were getting into. I don't think anyone like thought that it was going to be, you know, chilly down here, but I will say uh, it's been great. It's been a great week so far. Everyone is so nice. The Southern hospitality thing is real. Uh, you can't go 10 feet without, you know, somebody decked out in red asking if they can help you. Uh, they can give you advice on where to go. They're constantly saying thank you for coming, which I thought was very nice. When we were leaving the media night on Monday, every five feet there was someone telling you thank you for coming. And I'm like, can I just like knock you all out in one fell swoop? Like, say you're welcome. <laughs> but it was great. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been awesome. Uh, the downtown area, Centennial Park, State Farm Arena, where the new stadium is. And the convention center and the College Football Hall of Fame uh, has been awesome. The aquarium last night, I uh, was able to go there finally. Funny, I was here in September 
uh, for a day. My girlfriend, uh, she went to Georgia for a couple of years and had never been to a Georgia football game. So we came down uh, for the home opener, the season opener, mm-hmm. and uh, drove out to Athens, went to the game, uh, came back, hung out, and then went to Red Sox Braves on Labor Day. And so we were just like killing time, you know, trying to go to the aquarium. And uh, everyone else apparently had the same idea. Line was around the block, so we didn't get a chance to go in. And, you know, just thought it would be something fun to do for an afternoon. But uh, finally able to go yesterday. Have you been? Have you been to the aquarium recently? So I have not been recently. I went, like, the first year it opened, and I have not been back since. They have a giant, like, whale shark tank. Yeah, that's always been there. Oh, that's always okay. There are three of those things in there, and it's like you know that uh, that viral video with those uh, Ma- Massachusetts idiots that went viral. Was it last year or the year before? They're like, "Holy shit, Jay! It's a whale! It's a baby fucking whale! Like, <laughs> it's a whale, dude! We gotta fucking call the aquarium!" <laughs> like, that's what I was thinking the whole time that this giant, like, twenty foot whale shark was flying by. I was like, "There's holy shit! It's a baby fucking whale! Like, it was enormous." Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. So you God, had fun. So cool. You loved it. I loved it. I love like things like that. So mm. cool. Yeah. But anyway, that was that okay. was awesome. Uh, our shows have been great. We've been down at the Turner set, the Turner Studios, where they do NBA TV and inside the NBA, and uh, you know all that good stuff. So we've been down there shooting all week, and so uh, we've had a really great week. I'm I'm glad. I'm finally glad we're talking about the football game you know we've been talking about the nfc championship seemingly for two weeks now but um you know we got a pretty big game coming up on sunday so you know i'm excited that uh we finally have turned the page to talking about that well let me turn the page back for a second chris because i have thought about this the last couple weeks i would you agree that this is true in the NBA for certain, just how much we were invested in uh, Rockets Warriors versus Cavs Warriors this past year. But I wonder if there's way more intrigue and drama with just trying to get to the Super Bowl, like the Chiefs, Patriots, just how obsessed we all were and ratings showed that we were all insanely invested in both NFC and AFC championship games. And just like Sean Payton losing the way he did and Pat Mahomes not getting a chance to um, get the ball back in overtime. There was just so much intrigue and trauma. And I feel like that is kind of not replaced, but I feel like if I had to pick between like AFC, the championship weekend versus Super Bowl weekend, I'm picking championship weekend every single time. I mean, I can understand that because it's, you know, twice as many games and it's the final four. That's teams true. It's the final four teams. And like, you know, probably, Nine times out of ten, they're the four best teams in the NFL. I think, I think mm-hmm. those have been those were the four best teams in the NFL this year. Yeah. You know, outside of the Chargers, probably they were up there for a little bit. Um, but I went out for our guys. Yeah, pulling out, pulling out for Philip Rivers and his nineteen kids. Like I wasn't surprised that the Patriots <laughs> kind of steamrolled them. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, Championship Weekend is awesome. It's probably. My favorite weekend, because I think you're pretty much guaranteed two good games, you know, for a divisional right. round weekend. Yeah, it's great. And there's, eight, you know, eight teams, four games. But you, there's no guarantee that all four of them are going to be great. You know, obviously, a few of them are blowouts. And so, 
you know, I, I get it. I get people, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we asked, we talked about this on the show. If you think back to the 2018 season, he was probably the story of the season. You know, how good he was. Nobody really, I mean, you thought maybe he would be good. He would be better than average. You didn't think he was going to be the MVP of the league. You didn't think he was going to have a 50 touchdown, 5,000 yard season. So, yeah, he was the story of the 2018 season. Uh, you know, what the Rams were going to do it, you know, year two under Sean McVay. That was a huge part of the season. And then you have the two old guys. And look, let's be honest, there's, there's, a little less intrigue for the Super Bowl because nobody likes the Patriots. Like, they're sick of it. They have absolute Patriot fatigue. And I totally understand. And a lot of times it's just we're talking about things because it's them. It's not really a story if it's anybody else. And so, you know, I understand maybe people wanted to see Saints and Chiefs or Chiefs and Rams, the rematch of that amazing Monday night game. And, uh, look, I would have been on board for that too. If those, if those were the matchups in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't have complained one bit. This Patriots team, not among the greatest of their nine teams that have reached the Super Bowl, probably in the bottom half. But I also think in a weird way, they were probably sandbagging for the last six weeks of the season, knowing that when it came time for the playoffs, they were going to do what they do, which is dominate and reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I think the other thing with Patriot fatigue, which – I had never really understood because we know this will be number nine for Tom Brady, number nine Super Bowl. They're all close. Like the Patriots only play in Super Bowls that are close and that are intriguing, right. that are crazy, whether it's 28 right, three, right. whether it's, yeah, like we know we're getting a good game. Like that's the We know we're getting thing. a good like game, whether it's, whether it's the helmet catch or a, a two-minute drive or last-minute field goal, memorable. which have happened twice. Look, the, one of the greatest stats out there, the Patriots have played in eight Super Bowls in this era with Tom and Bill. They only have three first quarter points in eight Super Bowls. They, Brady hasn't like, thrown a touchdown in the first quarter yet. They do not get off to a good start. Three total yeah. points in eight games. Like they do, not, they start slow, and then the Didn't second they that, quarter they is they, that streak last year. Yeah, I want to say that that last. Yeah, it, yeah, right. They were scoreless, and then they kicked the field goal last year. Like. And then mm. the second quarter goes batshit crazy, and then the third quarter is kind of whatever, and then the fourth quarter is insane. So it's like we kind of know what we're getting with these Patriots Super Bowls, and it just makes me wonder if, like, if they win the coin toss, whether they take the ball and try to and try to get a quick seven nothing lead, because you know what the Rams can do on offense. So I don't know. But I, see, I think the thing with the Rams, the, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, we, you know what you're doing with the Rams offense, and my thing with them right now that I'm fascinated by, I don't, like, the whole, like, I talked to PFF's Austin Gale about this, where it's like the Pats, the way they're opening up holes for um, Sony Michelle and uh, friends, anybody could run through that. It's one of those things where their offensive line is just dis- destroying people, like they did the Chargers, like they did the Chiefs, like they, in the last couple of weeks, they have demoralized um, opposing defensive linemen. And it's worked. Uh, the Rams went a different way, where the Rams' offensive line have um, a thousand starts over their five starters, so they've been healthy. But they kind of fell off a cliff in the last couple of games, and the offensive line has not been nearly as good as it was at the start of the year. And I'm wondering how that translates to this game. Like I, 
I know parts of what makes the Rams interesting, but on another level, I am a little bit more concerned about their offensive line than the Pats. Um, and the other thing is the Pats run defense, which um, they gave up a billion yards to Ste- Stephen Ridley <laughs> against the Steelers late in the season. They have shown flashes of not being a good run defense down the stretch. And then you see what they did in the playoffs and you're like, okay, they shut down Melvin uh, Gordon. They um, have been better on this front. Maybe uh, Belichick has figured this out, but um, I don't know. Like does like does the Rams offensive line get back on track and as bad as they, or I guess as average as they were um, late in the season, does that change? And they are able to run all over um, the Pats, even though Gurley hasn't just been like that lately and the holes aren't there. And, I don't know. I think that's the matchup that I'm most interested in, uh, along yeah. with um, Patrick Chung still being uh, a good player at like 55 years old. That will right, never stop right, right. Uh, blowing my mind. But I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. The way the Patriots, offensive line and defensive line, completely dominated the Chargers and completely dominated the Chiefs, I, I, I really am I'm baffled by it because I watch every Pats game. That's, that's not their strength. You know, but it really like you can tell at the end of the year, Bill or Josh McDaniels really made an effort to run the football and like play smash mouth mm-hmm. and like limit what, just, just you know, limit what, I'm not going to say limit what Brady can do, but like limit putting the game on him and just trying to run the ball and say, look, we're going to run the ball. And if it's not working, we're still going to keep running the ball because at some point we're going to need to do this probably in January and we would like this to be a strength of ours. And man, they've just been dominating. And, and what I loved what they did against Patrick Mahomes on defense, man, they were blitzing like crazy and playing cover zero yeah. on the outside and just letting, letting the McCordy's and letting Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Chung, like, all right, we're going to win this game. It's going to be JC Jackson. Guys. Yeah. Exactly. It's been crazy. But I think that's the I, thing is they can start blitzing more because their secondary is just so good now. It's arguably the best secondary in football. So now you can just send guys like Flowers, just run rampant. And, and I, I think that's like the difference between their team like, last year. Like living in the backfield, having an amazing game, and yeah. Adrian Claiborne making hits. And so, oh, man. Because the thing is, is that, well, Mahomes had one of the quickest releases in the league uh, this year, but Jared Goff is near the bottom, right? So it's it's curious, like, what how McVay is going to – maybe he throws more screens, maybe a lot of more quick passes, bubble screens, I don't know, because I'm wondering – because something's wrong with Todd Gurley. I know Maurice Jones-Drew has told us several times now that he's not hurt. He just simply got benched for poor performance, and McVay was riding the hot C.J. Anderson train – Mm-hmm. Which I totally understand, but Christ, Todd Gurley was the MVP for the first 10 weeks. And why, mm-hmm. why and how has he just kind of disappeared over the last month? That's a big issue. That's a big thing that we're going to start talking about tomorrow, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he's right. I think maybe two weeks help. But ultimately, I think the bigger thing for Todd Gurley is this Rams offensive line being able to withstand the Patriots pass rush, which is still a crazy thing yeah. as you talked about. But that's Crazy. real. Like what they did to Philip Rivers was just mean. Like that's the reason Philip couldn't get on track. Like they were doing these three and outs early because they were just getting consistent pressure. He was having to throw the ball away. He wasn't able to go downfield to his guys like Keenan Allen and friends. Um, and then on the opposite side of the ball, they're just surgical. Like if you look at the routes um, that Brady was thrown to in that Chargers game, and I'm sorry to keep 
targeting that game, but that game still bothers me of just how that went. Cause I just, I was so, I, I, I just am very impassioned in my chargers optimism every year, but well, so, um, so is everyone. That's where the whole bet against us. And we're still here. Things yeah. started. Cause it seemed like every, you know, talking head on TV was like, Oh, the chargers have a great chance to go up there. What's the one upset you could see happening this week? Well, I think chargers over Patriots, just the way the Patriots look getting into the playoffs and the way, you know, the chargers went to Baltimore and totally, you know, manhandled them. I, I totally get it, but the Patriots have two weeks to get ready for one of these teams. They're mm-hmm. they're rested. They're they're healthy. Like you really but think they they're going to lose a home like divisional it's, game? It's yeah. a targeting league, right? Like you, when I think about what Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib are going to do with Edelman and Gronk and guys like that, where I'm just like. Belgic has no problem just being like, okay, here's our game plan. Uh, Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski are getting 27 targets this week. That's what they do against the Chargers is he just picks a couple to target. Like, oh, James White, you're getting 15 targets. Like, who's covering James White on the Rams? I, I have questions about that. Like, I have no idea. Bill Belichick has no problem with Tom Brady not going downfield once on Sunday. Like, we may not even nope. see a deep pass to Chris Ogan. That might not happen. Yeah, um, probably not. And I and just the feel like is, that's a like, huge problem you, you, for them. Yeah, and and you look at the, the, the these Super Bowls that the Pats have lost, right? The teams were able to get pressure up the middle and get to Brady, especially in the two Giants games. You know, last year it was um, where Brandon Graham came on the outside and, and, and Ford had mm-hmm. the strip sack. But if Tom is going to sit in the shotgun, right, and just throw it short to all these running backs and Edelman on ends, and and Gronk on a quick seam, like how is Aaron Donald ever going to get in the backfield? Right. How is he going to be a fast? That's why I, pass I, I can't pass talk myself into the Rams, man. Yeah, I can't do it either. I can't talk myself into the Rams. I mean, everyone I've been talking to this week think the Pats win and maybe win big, which I, I don't ever. I, don't I really am see. right there, but I just can't get over that they never win big in the Super Bowl. Like that just right, like, until right, they actually do right. it, I can't pick that. Right. I mean, I could. But I'm maybe right there with those them. people. I could see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm talking about before earlier in the week. I was like, yeah, maybe thirty-three, thirty, something like that. But now I'm thinking it might be thirty-four, uh, twenty-eight, maybe thirty-four, twenty-seven, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see this Rams offense getting stifled. I really could. And just keeping, like, we'll know where this game's going when we see, like, we check the box score and, like, I check my notes and I'm like, oh, um, James White has eight targets and 10 catches and we're midway through the second quarter and 125 yeah, yards yeah. and a touchdown. It's like, oh, they're going to kill them in time of possession. They're going to just keep the ball out of Sean McVay's offensive hands and just be up too much where it's just like, oh, we, we can't do this. Like, we're just going to bury you into submission. And I, I could see that happening here, where the, the Pats just bury the Rams into submission. Yeah, I mean, if, what was the time of possession against the Chiefs? They had like 40, what, 43 minutes or something? Yes, that's what they're doing yeah. to everybody. Yeah, that opening drive against I don't know, Kansas man. City was so impressive. You know, eight minutes and a touchdown. It's like that was the perfect way they wanted to start that game. Because look, you know, a high-powered offense, can't score if they're not out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a. I, think, I still think it's going to be a close game. I'm really not buying the, the blowout win here. I think that's just the fandom in you. You're just trying to protect yourself. Or it's like if I predict that they blow them out, I'm in for a rude awakening. 
Yeah, I guess. You're, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. Look, the way I've been kind of <laughs> pumping this up for my, in my own brain, I'm a Rams season ticket holder, so I'm a winner either way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Very L.A. You've got, you're officially yeah, yeah. an L.A. person. I'm a, I'm a winner either way. So I was going back through the numbers of like how, because just the Rams pass defense is just atrocious. And Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters have been awful. And uh, it doesn't help that Nikel, uh Ruby Coleman is calling out Tom Brady for being old. Like, that's not something you want your corner doing. Like, remember when Freddie Mitchell uh, was saying stuff and just go up and down the list of quarterbacks who were or just people that were just talking shit about the Pats or somebody on the Pats and then them being explored. Right. Or just, I know, right? Yeah, it just does not end well. Um, it, it never ends but well. You look like, up and down the guy, roster. Who was that dude on the Steelers a while ago? That was talking tons oh, of shit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and then blew him Tom, out like 44 like, to 7. It was a free safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. And it was like Tom, Antoine like, Smith or something. He's Tom, like, specifically threw deep on him every single play. Yes. And then would, and then would run down the field and talk shit right in his face. It was, I think it was like Anthony Smith or something like that. I Anthony, to say was, An- Anthony Smith. No, that's totally it. You're right. Anthony Smith. Yeah, not great. I don't know why these players keep doing this because like that's what like i understand that uh tom brady's uh water is magical and gets him up for these games but i think even more than that it's uh players talking shit and thinking he's too old to be good at football now i think that's another one telling him that his arm's not as good and he's not as mobile he might go deep to chris hogan on the first play he might just that's what he does he just is like all right We'll see. And then uh, sends Chris Hogan on a 50-yard bomb, and they score quickly. Um, they have their first play. That actually might be it. Is That's how Tom That's their first play. And his you next what, trick. You know, you, they sc- you know what my favorite part about the Chiefs game was? Is that the, Justin Daniels called a flea flicker in overtime, and <laughs> it would have been a touchdown, but Hogan ran to the post and not to the corner. Like Tom was pointing to go to the corner, and Hogan turned the wrong way. He was wide open, and it would have been a touchdown. Like, the AFC Championship could have ended on a flea flicker. That's how crazy that was. Can I rant about uh, people ranting about overtime rules in the NFL real quick? Sure. I think everyone needs to shut up about overtime. The only reason people care about overtime is because the Patriots keep winning this way. It just It's overtime. It's extra time. If you didn't win in regulation... You don't get like this whole thing where it's like we have to give both teams the opportunity. Let's go to college rules. Like those people are out of their fucking mind. Like no, I no one wants that. The real winners don't win like that way. Like anything extra, like it should be like why would you not want score or or lose? Like I want that. I want a one opportunity situation because this is extra time. Like you are you already blew your opportunity to win in regulation where everybody gets a fair shot. Overtime should not be this like thing where we go back and forth and all this. No, that's what the regular get. That's what the first sixty minutes are for. It's called overtime. You're getting extra time here. Like you get right. a little bit. Like I just it drives me nuts. I lo- I wish they would have brought back the sudden death. I don't like the field goal thing. I think if yeah. you score first in overtime, you win. Done deal. It's overtime. It's extra. Yeah, I think so too. And my, Bomani Jones had my, had my favorite tweet. Someone was like, "Everyone should get a chance to to score to have the ball and over." And Bomani was like, "You got four quarters of chances, bro." <laughs> like, yeah, you get four That's quarters. That's all there is and to then, it. And then, and then here's the deal. And then everyone was like, "You know, we were having that discussion obviously just before the air the next day, uh, uh, you know, amongst ourselves at the show." And uh, well, both offenses should get a chance. You know, the, the way the 
And I was like, well, football is a three phases, three phases game, right? Offense, defense, special teams. So, you know, they get their phase on offense. You get your phase on defense. They're all equally as important. So your, their phase is going against your phase. And, and if you stop them and you win that phase, then your special teams phase has a chance to win the game against their kicking phase. So that's two, two, that's two, two. It's always even. It's never one against zero or two against one. Like a phase goes head to head against the phase. And if one of the phase wins, it's either over or then we're going again. And now it's two against. It's just like, just stop complaining. Like we're just looking for things to complain about because it's the most recent thing that we've seen. Someone on ESPN. Do you know what you do? Was, what? You don't employ Bob Sutton to be your DC in 2019. Maybe that's what you do. <laughs> Maybe you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because Tony Romo was calling out every third down play. How did you not see that? It came out like after, isn't it? Like everybody was like, yeah, we kind of knew what they were doing. The Chiefs, like most offensive players were like, yeah, we love playing Bob Sutton's defenses. Like it was like this running. It was almost like you reminded me. Remember when Andy, Andy Reid does a bad job of picking DCs anyway. Remember when he like moved Juan Castillo to defensive coordinator and he I was like the tight end coach the previous year. It was one of the Vic years. I remember he moved him over to DC and it was like, what are you doing? This guy's like never coached defense, and he, they moved into like Belichick can do some crazy stuff like that from time to time. But like, what are you doing, man? Like, what was that? Like, I just Bob Sutton is your DC. Yeah, you deserve to lose. That's what happens when you get Bob Sutton and task him with the um, just the unfortunate task of uh, stopping Tom Brady uh, in overtime in the playoffs. Yeah, maybe have some better guys there. But who knows? Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo, he's the guy. Or maybe cover Edelman and Gronk on third and ten when the whole world knows they're getting the ball. God, this was all preventable. I, mean, look, I just look whatever. Like, and Brady you know, also like, made like, some amazing throws. Like we we can't discount yeah. what he was doing to a lot of yeah. this. Like those throws were just oh god. It's like what do you even point, do? Ten point. The one the third down throw to Gronk. I mean, he literally had a um, six by six inch box to throw that ball. And he threw it right in the middle of it, and Gronk made the catch for the first time. He was unbelievable. The Hogan catch, obviously, the one-handed catch uh, by Chris Hogan was amazing. Uh, you know, you get fortunate that D Ford lined up offside. Did you see the, the NFL Films clip when they showed D Ford on the sideline? Because he had no idea he lined up offside, and then they showed him on the tablet, and the look on his face was devastating because you know he knew uh. he probably cost he knew he probably cost him a trip to the Super Bowl. It's like um, I remember in the Cowboys Seahawks game, which still might be my favorite playoff game this year, um, where I think Tavon Austin returned that kick and um, returned to the house, and the they had to like tell the the guy who had the block in the back, like, uh, "Dude, you uh, you're on film," and like he had to look up and be like, he just had no idea. He was so happy. He thought he like helped this guy spring it for a touchdown, and just them having to be like, "No." Um, this uh, this was a block in the back, and uh, this is coming back. It's a brutal feeling yeah. for those guys to realize, yeah, oh, that was me. Like... That was my fault. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And then, you know, they have to go back and, and watch the film and know, you know, look, it's kind of like the blown call, you know, and it didn't cost the Saints the Super Bowl. Like, don't blow a 13 nothing lead at home, you know, convert those field goals into touchdowns. A lot of factors. But 
in that moment, that did cost you the game. And, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking, but the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, right? That's why we play sports. That's why we love sports. That's why there's nothing like it in the world. That's true. Um, so that's why you should be a Pats fan, because um, you win all the time. <laughs> we get all of the breaks. Not really. That's all not the true. breaks. Come on. Come on. Not true. I mean, eh. I mean, does any of this happen if the tuck roll doesn't happen? Um, I mean, yeah, they were really good in 2003 and 2004, so they probably still win those Super Bowls anyway. Okay. I mean, this could be year like 23 of John Gruden in Oakland if that doesn't happen. Perhaps. Look, what do you mean? They, what do you mean the pass get all the breaks? It's football literally <laughs> stuck to the side of David Tyree's helmet. Okay? We should have had a 19 and 0 season. God, that's still like one of those asterisks where you look at the offensive numbers and you look at where that offense ranks all time. I think they're still number one in offensive DVOA ever and just what they were doing with Moss and, every, and that team just not winning. It's, well, it's look, here's, here's the deal. I, I, know, I know you can't really say they're the greatest team of all time because they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they're the greatest team of all time, okay? They went 16-0 and in the modern NFL, which is literally set up for every team to go 8-8 eight and eight every single year. Like that's how the NFL is designed. Like it has the rule structure is in place that dynasties do not exist. That you have a 50% roster turnover every single year. Like your coaches will get fired every three to five years. Like that is the rules that are in place in the modern NFL. And we're now talking about a Patriots team in its ninth Super Bowl in 18 years. That is insanity. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not great. And Tom Brady's not retiring, so he might get the 10. He's definitely not retiring. Definitely not retiring. Ten. Look, Just thinking about that, like, get, we're never going like, to... Explaining this, think about 10 Super Bowls to somebody is just insane. In the first round. They drafted a first-round running back, and their offensive line played together the whole year, finally. And he can get well, the Well, they also lost their offensive lineman in the first round. Isaiah Wynn, they drafted him, and he went down, and that was it. Exactly. And now, like, if Tom Brady can get the ball out of his hands in a second and a half, and he has three running backs to throw and hand the ball off to, he's going to play at least 50. God. Uh, we're all doomed, Chris. We're all doomed. Brady hey, look, will hey, live look, forever. Hey, look, Scott Zolak said it. America's worst nightmare is back. Where is Seth Wickersham? Why is he spending time in Cleveland? Go back to Foxborough. <laughs> Let me tell you what. That story is hilarious to think about now. Everyone thought, oh, this story is going to bring down the Patriots dynasty. Oh, yeah? Where are they? They're back in the Super Bowl. It's three-point favorites. Seth didn't get the whole message. Seth, go. I know you're a big fan of the Chase Thomas podcast. Pack your bags. It's back to Foxborough this offseason. That's what we need. Part two. <laughs> Does Sonny oh, Michelle man. want more touches? Does he think that he could do more in the Wildcat? Um, I don't know. I I'm running out of options. Patrick Chung thinks he's actually pay, should be paid like um, I don't. I don't know. I, I can't even come up with stuff right now. Maybe J.C. Jackson. I, I don't know. I, I I can't even think of anything right now. Um, but maybe Brian Flores going to Miami is what finally undoes the. Uh, the New England Patriots dynasty. Oh, yeah, just like Matt Patricia was going to undo it, and who else? 
Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell and Bill O'Brien and who else? Can I keep going? Mm, is that it? I feel like that might be it. Oh, Vrabel? No. Eric Mangini. And... Mangini. I knew we were forgetting somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, Pats, I think we both have Pats winning, right? I think so. Yeah, I think um, I think so. So, I, I, like I said, I started out as maybe by three points, but I think I might bump that up to, to six by uh, by the end of the week. Okay. MVP? I mean, it would be cool if, uh, you know, Tony Michelle or, or, you know, Dante Hightower or somebody like that. You know, maybe, maybe Trey Flowers has three sacks and a fumble, you know, fumble recovery and maybe a scoop and score a touchdown. Like, that would be super cool. But look, if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's the MVP. Interesting. I'm going to go Patrick Chung. Patriot legend Patrick <laughs> Chung. In his second stint with the Patriots. Pulling it out as in a Dexter Jackson, like, thievery, where you're like, oh. how did this guy oh. win? Yeah. Or a um who was the guy for the uh the Cowboys, Larry Brown? Mm-hmm. Um the Seahawks with uh what was this his name? Not, uh, uh, uh Malcolm Smith. Oh shit. Yes. Yeah, Seahawk Malcolm legend Smith. Malcolm Smith. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, all the all those great Malcolm <laughs> Smith memories are just flooding back into me right now. Yeah, I think it's that's my pick. It's either Patrick Chung or J.C. Jackson. Like, I could see Jackson having, like, two picks or something that just, like, caught. Like, I, I just, I could see Goff just having the bad day. And I I don't know. That's what I'm going to go with. I think Brady will be yeah, fine, you know, but it'll just be fatigue. I could, um, I could, I could see that, too. Uh, I could also see, he really showed me a lot in that NFC Championship game. Because in the first quarter, they were, they were severely overmatched and they uh, really looked it. And he was able to come back, you know, second quarter, hit that bomb that led to the score. And he had a great second half. Like he really showed me something. So, um, you know, I could go either way on go. I'm going to go with uh, him not beating Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, look, we said the same thing about Nick Foles. That's true. But Jared Goff is no Nick Foles. <laughs> I've always that's said going that. on, That's going on somebody's tombstone, I think. <laughs> Chris Brockman, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, we can listen to you every single day on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, is there anything you want to plug for Super Bowl week before we get out of here? No, just check me out on Instagram at Brock Shady, at Twitter uh, at Chris Brockman, and uh, Rich Eisen Show. 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Appreciate you, Chase. Always love coming on. No problem. And I expect uh, pictures of your Wahoo and Chili's uh, bang bang. (laughs) You got it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase Thomas. 
and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.